What's up, guys? Welcome to another exciting edition of Real Estate Podcast, episode 311. I'm here with Griffin. I'm here with Trav. And we're still shrinking down without him. This week, we finally got to watch Ant-Man. Yeah, boy. And boy, they upped the ante, did they? <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> um. So I guess, for me, one of the things I want to get out of the way is this is another one of those movies. It's a filter in the comic book movies because it is so ridiculous that if you ain't down, then the, uh, like you're going to cut this thing off quick. Yeah. Well, I'm, um, I'm just going to, I'm going to cut straight to the chase here. Um, enjoyed the first Ant-Man. One of my favorites. Second Ant-Man was okay. Like it wasn't, it wasn't as good, in my opinion, as the first one. This one comes out, go to the movies and see it. I enjoyed... Okay. They had to to do a lot of world building really, really, really fast. Yeah. And to me, this could have been something that they worked on over time. You know, and they kind of have with the Quantum Realm thing, thing and all that kind of stuff, like... But it's all like rumor based. Like he was stuck in the quantum realm for five years. He thought it was, and it was only like five or 10 minutes, 15 minutes for him, you know, didn't experience any of this. She comes out of the quantum realm, doesn't think to say anything. Anything. About, yeah. I'm so glad you brought this up, dude. Cause that was one of my biggest problems with the movie was if, I mean, I, I had, I had my gripes, but it's like, I was more bothered by the fact that when she came out of the quantum realm, didn't say shit about any of this. Yeah. No. Uh, didn't need to. Well, had she said <laughs> something, maybe the girl wouldn't have made the fucking beacon thing. Exactly. I mean, the thing is, is like Hank is always going to be that person that's like, oh, there's an entire like civilization and species down here. Like, yeah, let's go. And she's like, you don't understand. It's bad. Like, there's someone that's trapped in there that does not need to get out. And he can't get out at the moment. So we need to keep it that way. But, like, that this could have been something. Because, like, didn't they end Ant-Man 2 with them exploring the quantum realm? That's how he got stuck inside the quantum realm? Yeah. So why like the they were fuck? They were doing the very experiment, at, like, when the snap happened. Yeah. That... They did in the beginning of this one. Yeah, exactly. So that that to me well, was one of one of the well, more well more specifically, what they weren't necessarily exploring the quantum realm at the end of Ant Man Two. What they were doing was going down there and getting pin particles. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but still though, like if you, I, I'm under the impression that if you open up a portal or you, not really a portal, but once you like cross over into the quantum realm then for sure at this point Kang and at any point before this Kang was going to know that somebody has like broke Breaks through the ground. Yeah. yeah. So that's where I was just like, this is kind of an odd situation here where it's like he went to the quantum realm and it's like, Oh, Darren came through and I turned him into MODOK. So how did this happen? And Oh, there's a dude that is actively using the quantum realm to like, do shit with hmm maybe we should be on the lookout for this guy it's like um, and eh. I, I, th I think like for me and it's not really a complaint more so as an observation but to kind of go with the idea that you know the second one was what it was 
it still felt like it was the continuation of the first movie. This yeah. one didn't at yeah. all. Like it's no. it's 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 like they took the Thor Ragnarok approach and applied welcome it to Ant Man. Welcome back, welcome yeah. back. Yeah, that whole first scene. Yeah, right. Thank you, Spider Man's. And here, here was my problem. I've got a couple of major problems with how this movie ended and the implications that they set forth. First of all, why wasn't Scott Lang trapped in the quantum realm? Like they should have ended the movie with him being trapped in the quantum realm. First of all, second of all, if they're going to not have him be trapped in the quantum realm and she just opens it back up and everything's fine. Why did they not have him go into another yeah. reality? Because it's like why, a, it's a no stakes ending. Exactly. Yeah. No stakes here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. By him being well, stuck there, that's one. Well, yeah, well, the whole thing, yeah, because the whole thing with him, like with them circling back, going full circle with him walking down the street, and he's like, but well, wait a second. Yeah. Surely we won't see that guy again. Yeah. Maybe we, maybe he'll stay there. And it, it gets yeah. real serious and weird for a second. He goes, ah, whatever. I'm just, yeah. no, never mind. I'm Was he the good Paul guy? Rudd. Yeah. Said he, he said he had to get out to stop something. Yeah. And and that's the thing. Like it should have, it should have ended one of those two ways because like Ant-Man was the, the savior of the MCU at the end of the day. Right. And that's yeah. another thing. Well, the Avengers it, it, used the quantum realm to time travel with. And Kang's not going to be like, who are the fuck are these guys flying through the fucking quantum realm traveling well, time? Well, if you recall, though, it's explained in Loki because there's even a moment where when Kang's doing his why I'm evil shit, he's holding the that hologram in his hand and it's the sacred timeline. Yeah. And my thing is like, okay, they call him the conqueror all throughout the movie. so. This version, this villain we see is Kang the Conqueror, is he not? Yeah. He's dead. Well, that like, version he's fucking of, yeah. No, but Kang the Conqueror is dead, like the primary one. Like, he's supposed to be the big bad of them all, the one that's like, I'm going to different universes. and or Well, he was the one I'm that like, claimed he beat them all. Yeah. yeah. Remember, there was all the statues were torn down. There was only one. Yeah. So, it was him. With him being gone, that means we're going to get a different King the Conqueror that's going to be like like the one that we thought this one was, right? I would, yeah, I would assume so. I don't know. Well, and where the I fuck did that one go? Yeah. He went into that shit, like, did it kill him? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Like I don't think so because it didn't destroy that. Yeah, that that power source, that core thing. So like, why would? And then and and okay, so we've got all this shit going on. All this stuff is happening, and it's like they could have used that as like him being trapped in there. We got to save Ant Man, Ant Man, and the chicks down there, like researching the technology. Use that as a leg up to, a, and a reason to go into the quantum realm to bring Ant-Man back to help fight. And he has some information that helps them be successful with some of Kang's technology. Didn't write that into it. Put him in a different timeline, different universe. Then we've got to go get Ant-Man back. Or maybe whenever, a, you know, 
an incursion happens or something like that, like that's whenever he crosses over with Loki, something like that happens. That didn't happen, whatever. You're going to have Kang's first like official bad guy portrayal in the MCU get his ass beat by Ant-Man and like not really die, but get beat. So does that mean that every incarnation of Kang that we see moving forward is going to get beat by the Avengers? And by the time that you get to that actual pivotal moment where you were, where the Avengers are fighting against Kang, is the audience going to have the same reaction to Kang that they did to Thanos because they've seen him get beat time and time and time again. See, the only way I I feel like they're going to do though, is they're going to build up. They're going to continue to build up Kang and Loki, obviously. Yeah. Like that's going to be, instead of getting a origin, an infinity war for Kang the Conqueror, where it's his perspective. Instead of that, we're just going to get, the Loki show that's going to set him up. We're just going to, we're going to have to constantly keep seeing him over and over and over to where by the time we get to the fucking ricketyest Rick of all of them, you know, and he shows up like that, that, like that's the only way I can see the stakes get raised Uh, or, or until Marvel starts being risky and having movies end where the hero's dead. Yeah, because I was I was on board with the idea of them killing off Ant Man in this movie. Yeah, I mean, either kill him or leave him trapped in the quantum realm or put him in a new reality. Well, this would have been a cool idea, you know, because the whole thing is that he threatens Scott Lang. He goes, "You're either going to help me or I'm going to kill your family in front of you." Like I'm I'm going to fuck you up, Scott. You know? Yeah. Well. It would have been interesting if he had taken all three of them hostage. Mm-hmm. All three of them have suits. They're all Talton Pym particles. He takes those particles from them, so they can't get out of there. Like they, yeah. like they have to bear witness to Kang wreaking havoc across everything. Yeah, and there's nothing they can do about it. Yeah, because like- that would be that would be. That would be a gut-wrenching moment seeing the most innocent of the Avengers having to witness all this fucked up stuff happening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's I don't know, man. Like it was just I wanted to like this movie so much, but like the the decisions that were made, the 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 choices to, especially towards the end of the film and the implications that it set up overall as a whole just left a really sour taste in my mouth, man. Well, I don't, I honestly, I enjoyed it, but I I felt like I enjoyed it in the idea of like, kind of like in the same vein as Loki. Yeah. I felt like I was watching a very high budget episode of Rick and Morty. Yeah. Um, one of, one of the things that I did notice that was like, man, that kind of sucks is that you could tell, you could tell that this movie was like 75% filmed on the volume because some of the set pieces were really empty feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Like even moments where they were somewhere that had stuff like, like a little bit of scene set up a little bit of like stage production. It still felt very empty. Everything was behind them. Yeah. And you know, the quantum realm looked great, 
I don't know if you guys noticed, but every time it would show on different portals, each of those portals looked like the color of an infinity stone. Yeah. Which begged me to wonder if when Kang said that he's wanting to conquer eternity, does that mean he's trying to fight literally eternity? The thing at the end of love and thunder. Yeah. Which is a possibility, which is crazy to think about, but yeah, like we, you know, despite how we're getting our servings of this shit, we're still getting them. Yeah. (laughs) And that's crazy. Like if you'd have been like, if you like, once again, like what, like from infinity war and end game onward, we're in that realm of movies now where if you had told us 20 years ago that we were going to see a movie with Kane the Conqueror and Ant-Man, we'd have laughed at you in the face yeah. been like, no fucking way. Get yeah. the fuck out of here. Yeah. No way they'd spend that much money. And then we all look at the camera and break the fourth wall. Yeah. Little did they know. But, but, but I didn't, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't hate the movie. Because, I mean, like going into it, it is an Ant-Man movie. And it's not to say that it's a bad thing or a precursor for it to be not as good. But Ant-Man is the the comedic relief of the Avengers. Yeah. 100%. Like, Spider-Man might have it from time to time. But whenever the big team-ups have been happening since uh, Infinity War, or since Civil War, actually... um, it's Ant-Man. Yeah. You know, I didn't really hate MODOK as much as the internet I didn't did. either. I, I think thought that was funny. A, I think MODOK was a film. She was like trying to be a dick, and he's like, too late. Yeah. Look at me. Look what I, what like, do I do. Dude, like a dick. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't have a problem with Ant-Man either. I thought it was hilarious that they fucking CGI'd his ass cheeks. I thought all that shit was fucking funny, dude. Yeah. Like... It, like the comedy was absolutely where I thought it would be. And I did. And the thing about it is you have a character called Kane, the conqueror characters called the wasp Ant-Man. I forget what his daughter's uh, name is, uh, what her hero name is. And then you've got Modoc. All of those characters are utterly ridiculous. Yeah, Absolutely. So I and, feel like I feel like there's a sense going into it. Like I guess my my gripes were more on a production level because while there were inconsistencies in the narrative, it's almost like the movie knew it was not going to be taken as seriously as say Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Right. Like it knew its place in the world, so it it, it knew not to be anything more than that, which kind of sucks because it kind of like could rob itself of possibilities. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do think it's it, it, it was an interesting choice to make Kang fight Ant-Man as our first fucking test testing of what Kang can do. Well, and and I loved like I wanted the the ant thing as a whole anyway. That's a like I love the fight sequences that Ant-Man and Kang had where it was like Whenever he like hits him, hits him, grows big and smashes him into that, into that wall. And he's just like, you, you like whenever you see Scott Lang break bad and that's oh, kind of what... when he shows up at the end and he's like, we had a deal motherfucker. And he just starts yeah. wrecking his city. Kaju, Kaju style. 
Yeah. I was like, hell yeah, man. Yeah, there was a lot to love with the, the situations way. were awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, all I'm gonna like this is where I stand on it, and this is kind of kind of in imply what my score is gonna be for the film. But like, depending on how they handle the rest of this arc of the MCU, is really gonna determine like how my chain, my thought process and feelings toward Ant-Man is going to go moving forward because the biggest, like that, the biggest thing to me was like, if we see a version of Kang show, cause they've already rumored that the, um, the, uh, Pharaoh Kang might be the main villain in, um, Moon, Moon Knight. Knight. Yeah. So, and if we if we use that as like a jumping off point and it's this thing where it's like, okay, you know, we have our street level heroes doing our street level shit, but everybody else is going to be fighting different versions of Kang. It's like whenever Kang, like the big bad Kang or all the Kangs or whatever show up, it's like, yeah, he's a badass. But if Ant-Man beat him, you know. And if Moon Knight beats him yeah. and if Loki beats him and if we keep going down that rabbit hole, then it's like, oh, well, they've got this. He well, well he needs to start killing people. Well, there's yeah. And there's got to be uh, some sort of moment where they take the time to explain that the Kangs that are all vying for Apex Predator, the one that fought Ant-Man is just one of them. Like, because if you think about it, the 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 baddest Kang of them all wouldn't have made the decisions that that Kang made to bother even going to the quantum realm to fucking begin with. Well, he was exiled there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at the same time, though, like he wouldn't have made those mistakes because the whole yeah. the whole logic to Kang's character is that the reason why he's so hard to beat is because for a, a certain amount of time traveling that he's done, he knows what everyone's going to do at any given moment. Yeah. That's yeah. Like that's his quote unquote super intelligence. Like he's, he, he knows that at this point, this hero is going to get pissed and do this so he can move out. Of, like it's all calculated to where he can get, he knows every, he's a step ahead of everyone because he knows it. Yeah. So we haven't seen that Kang that has been so far into the future that he's like, no, I I know how to handle all this shit. I'm just going to let all these motherfuckers fight over competition and then snuff out the top dog so that this shit don't happen again. Right. Yeah, it makes me interested to see like how they how they handle things moving forward. There was a lot to love about it. There was a lot of stuff that that I kind of had gripes about, but at the end of the day, like Paul Rudd's so charming. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I could watch him in literally anything. And like, if he would have been trapped in the quantum realm and we didn't see him again, and his daughter kind of took up the mantle of Ant-Man until they figured out how to get him out of there, this, that, and the other, I would have been fun. I would have kind of preferred that because it's like, to me, they have, kind of utilized Ant-Man and Spider-Man in the best ways possible when it comes to like team up stuff. Yeah. Like they saw one thing that I I thought was really cool. Like as far as like 
Scott Lang and all that. And it's something that I've enjoyed with this, these movies is that like, yeah, Scott Lang is Ant-Man, but Hank Pym is very much Ant-Man and very much front and present throughout the movies. Yeah. And you have that, that almost triumphant moment where he, he, six the army of the ants on Kang and all of them and he just has this moment where Michael Doug- Douglas is just standing there and you're just like no nah, dude we've got it all wrong like he's fucking Ant-Man dude like he's he like, like is this he's you? the o- he was like, like oh, he's yeah. the OG motherfucker dude like and he he yeah he got to say and, and, all the cuss words in the movie yeah <laughs> right I, I feel like I had to be in his, his contract where he was like look I got. I got to say something other than just "Gee, Scott." Yeah, the ants. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that and fisting that ship. Yeah, right. Gotta go deeper. That was hilarious. Holes. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll over here. Like, hey, hey, you drink the ooze yet? Can, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I make the ooze. <laughs> and he's like, I. Have hole. Yeah. I have holes. <laughs> like I, I, I hope that there's another version in the real world, in like another universe, where that whole character is voiced by Justin Rowland as more like Morty's voice. Yeah. Like, gee, did you drink those? Have you drank it yet? Did you? Huh? Huh? <laughs> Which I thought that was really fucking cool. Like. Yeah. You drink that, and it's like, all right, now you can understand everybody down here. I like. Yeah. I thought that was cool. That was a cool way to, you know, be like, all right, we're not going to waste make a that whole lot sense. of money making fucking, yeah, like, yeah. and dude, Bill Murray. Oh. I mean, showed up for dinner. Man, what a dinner. And he was, like, crushing on his old fling. Oh, dude, I, lo- I love that. I love that old man joke where, where uh, he was like, I knew a few people. And, and uh, she was, she, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer's like, "What? What about her?" And he's like, "Baby, they ain't you." And they just fucking, mm. you know what I mean? I was like, "That's yeah. for the old people in the crowd." But yeah, I mean, all in all, like it wasn't the definitely wasn't the worst Marvel movie they've made for sure. Um, I mean, really, how they handle this moving forward is going to kind of make my thoughts on Ant-Man kind of fluctuate. And I think like the same with Doctor Strange and some of the other things that we've well, seen. Well, they're stepping like, stone movies, man. You yeah. Tentpole movies where it's like, here's where some heavy overall plot gets discussed and done. And because really the only thing that was centric to the Ant-Man story in this was just Scott and Cassie. Yeah. Everything outside of that was pure like, all right, this is where a lot of stuff we've been building up to is at. All right, here's a big, a big little like flashy key dangling moment for y'all. Yeah, but we know it's not the end. We know it's not. It's it's not even really the beginning. Yeah, I and do so, like so. Those, and and those stepping stone films, they're hard to have revisits because they're so safe, yeah. or nothing really of substantial happens. Yeah. I do like how they portrayed him and his daughters um like their their relationship. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I do like how, you know, she's kinda like into doing a lot of the same things that he's doing and 
he's like flirting this line of being like an overprotective dad and all this kind of, but then like whenever they get into the quantum realm, he's like, you know, you got to put your body weight into it, you know? And he's like, like that. Did you see what I did? And she's like, you're this tall. Like, no, I didn't see any, like their chemistry and back and forth. Um, yeah. Like in any, like in any other father daughter movie scenario, uh, he would have been the one that, is waking up with a hangover. She's making eggs. She's like, fucking, here's the coffee. Sober up, dad. You got to interview at 11. Yeah, 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 exactly, right? Well, when they yeah. finally pass the torch, dude, I think she'll be a good... Yeah, I think she I will, yeah. Yeah, character. It, it definitely, yeah, and going with the tor- torch passing thing, this dynamic feels the most natural of the ones we've seen so far. Yeah, for sure. Once again... The new hero's got a kid. I mean, yeah. this one's had one, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Had to be a kid. The The last thing that I'm going to touch on is like, is every like child version of the heroes that we've, we're getting or like, you know, variations of them, are they all going to be super geniuses? Yeah. And like, how quickly is that going to get old? Well, I hope it builds up to a moment where the ghost of Tony Stark shows up and is like, y'all are still nothing close to who I am. <laughs> like, well, the I mean, power, like the power gap is like the intelligence gap is gap. so vast yeah. that like you guys, you guys are doing impressive shit. Don't get me wrong, but I invented time travel, yeah. you know, like, right. Well, like and it, the, there there because and i think it's actually it's adding to the legacy of iron man because it's going to take that many fucking geniuses to achieve what one guy was doing by himself yeah for so fucking long you know right but like it's hard to wrap my brain around that concept when like they're fixing to introduce mr fantastic you know what I mean? Well, once again, I think it, it, I mean, and you could pivot that same concept from Iron Man to him to where it's like when Reed Richards shows up, it's like, oh, he's got Jarvis plus one. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. on a whole other level than all these fucking kids. And almost to the point where the audience will go, all right, he's smarter than Tony Stark. Yeah. But I see what you're saying. It's absolutely front and present, like for sure. Yeah. But I'm I'm hoping it's that is almost building up to a moment where, you know, like one of my favorite moments in the Iron Man series is when he finds that footage of his dad and he's just musing to himself and he goes, you've been dead for so many years and you're still kicking my ass and teaching me shit. You know, like that was a good moment. Yeah. And I hope we get something like that too, where Tony Stark still schools them from the grave, like a hologram's like, you guys are fucking stupid. Here's why. Let me show you in long division why you're stupid. And he pulls the fucking board out, you know? Yeah. But all in all, I enjoyed it. Like I said, I'm going to give it a half star with an asterisk. Because like they could have done so much more. I know they took the safe bet with it because it was the third Ant-Man movie, this, that, and the other. And it could be leading up to like, like the things that were developed here could absolutely be expanded on in really cool and interesting ways that I haven't even thought about. That's why I'm like, I'm holding, I'm kind of holding out on 
a lot of it just to see what they do and where they take everything. Because like, I don't want to get super villain fatigue and like Marvel had this bad history of like, okay, you you have a hero. We're going to make a carbon copy as the villain and you're going to fight in the first movie and that villain's going to die and we're going to move on. Now it's like, we're going to have the hero fight the exact same, like different variations of the same villain over and over and over and over and over and over again. And it's like, you can do better than, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, well, yeah, you can, you know, the, the villain almost has to carry the film because it's the consequence of the hero's action. Oh, and he did. Yeah. He was the best part of the badass. Oh yeah. yeah. Jonathan, Major's performance was yeah, great. Really good. Like no qualms with that at all. Um, but I, I agree with you in terms of like, you know, but that's always that's that that's that's the thing though, man. That's the nature of superheroes, though. Yeah. You go back into any issue one or any uh first movie. And they just fought the inverted version of themselves. It's always the first first fucking villain you fight's the mirror match. You gotta fight yourself first. Yeah. And you know, we got it in Iron Man, we've got it in all of them basically. But that'll always be a thing. But my my concern's gonna be, all right, we're gonna introduce Kang. Okay. Well, we're still dealing with the scrolls. Okay. Uh, we're about to get introduced to Dr. Doom at some point. All right, that's a thing. Well, we've also got to make a little bit of room for the Brotherhood of Mutants to start forming and when the X-Men show up. like, There's going to be so many different people fighting on so many different fronts that instead of fatigue, you're just not going to have, like, the, like I'll, I mean, we will obviously be like, yes, we're watching all of this. Fuck yeah. But yeah. general audiences are going to be like, eh, fuck that, man. I want to watch that shit. And maybe it's at an angle where they're trying to give it to where the viewer has more options. Oh, you don't want to fight something. You don't want to watch something that deals with them battling in space. All right, well, here's some street level shit. Go watch it instead. Yeah. But it, it, it it's it's going to become just as tangled as their current multiverse is. Yeah. And that could be almost borderline overindulgence on Marvel's behalf. Yeah. We'll see. I, and I think, last thing, I don't think we're going to get the official formation of the X-Men until after all of the whole, the whole Kang saga is done. I have a feeling that we're going to get X-Men. We're going to get mutants and variations of X-Men, this, that, and the other. But I don't think that we'll get the official formation of the X-Men with Professor X and Jean Grey, Cyclops, all them, until after. I think the X-Men will take the mantle of the Avengers for for a while after the Kang stuff is done. That's my, predi- that's my new prediction. I oh, think Avengers... I'll- I think Avengers versus X-Men is definitely going to happen. I just think it's going to be the different reality versions of the X-Men fighting against the Avengers. I I think in the same vein as what you're talking about, man, but I feel like the Kang saga is going to forge the X-Men. Yeah. Um, Well, I think the, 
Like when by they, the time by the time they kill Kang, the X Men will be on screen with him. Well, I, and here's what I think: I think they're going to do the Great Reset, and it's going to put everything back into the one timeline, and and it's going to be like a House of M type situation where it's going to rest almost restart everything. There'll be some you know legacy characters and everything, but that's when the X Men will actually like the MCU version of the X-Men will be there. Well, I, I, well, I, and, and I can see what you're saying, but I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if they took that same idea and weaved it into a way to where instead of doing civil war two, like the actual comic book, they kind of mash civil war with X-Men versus Avengers and we have this thing where it's like, all right, we got to figure out who a mutant is. Yeah. A mutant register. Like they can incorporate the idea of the Mutant Registration Act as the means of triggering the second civil war in the Marvel Universe. Right. Because there's some mutants that are like, oh, cool. I don't care. Sign me up. And then there's other ones that's like, nah, I still kind of want to be left the fuck alone. Yeah. Why? Because I'm an Omega level mutant. I know I could harm the world Hulk style. Just leave me be, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I, th- my my general theory comes from the idea of, like, Deadpool and him, like, traverse, like him traversing the multiverse, them bringing Hugh Jackman into it, all that kind of stuff. Like, I feel like that is going to have as much to do with... Um, that would be cool if that's our first actual, like, like, you know how he creates the X-Force in Deadpool 2? Yeah. It would be cool if he time hops in Deadpool 3 and he has a multiversal X-Men team. And it's our first look at the X-Men, but it ain't, it's not who they're going to be when they actually show the fuck up, you know? Yeah. But it's almost like a, you know, it's that good little fan where it's like, all right, fans, y'all want to see this? We're going to give it to you, but don't think it's permanent. Yeah. So. But yeah, I'm giving it a half star with an asterisk. Cool. What about you, G? Um, half star. I did enjoy the movie, but there were no stakes. Not them candy that was man my kind anyway. thing. Uh you should have been left behind. Yeah. Yeah. Um I'm gonna go with a half star as well. But with an asterisk as well. Yeah, I mean, did enjoy it. Yeah. But not oh, the movie that, I thought that, I was going to get for sure. Yeah, the asterisk is like, to me, some of the production stuff was too glaring. Like I said, I felt like the sets were very empty at times. Um, Whoever like, generated that MODOK, I would mm-hmm. not put that on my CV. Because it didn't <laughs> look the best. Mm-mm. Um, and I and I think like yeah, and and despite despite the visual effects that the movie had from time to time, uh, I personally didn't have a problem with Modok. I feel like I feel like it's absolutely a filter. Weird. It's an absolute filter comic movie because this movie is comic book as fuck. Yeah, but it's because of technical problems it doesn't quite fit the mold like we all, like everyone probably thought it should. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, I give it a half. 
So it's a straight up star, uh, st- like one and a half star out of three, dead 50 50 thing on it. Yeah. I think it's, I think that's a worthy score. I do think it's, I, I, and once again, it's fucking Marvel. So if, if people that are listening, if you're biased, Marvel, you're going to have a good time. Just watch yeah. it anyway. Absolutely. Uh, if you're going into this movie and this is like one of the, just a handful of Marvel films, sweet summer child, you've got some watching to do. Go back. Like, 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 like I hold on a second. Pause the podcast right now. Go watch the MCU. Then pull this episode up and hit pause. Hold on. See you next year. Four, three, two, one. See what I'm talking about now. (laughs) See what I mean? Like, (laughs) <laughs> it ain't gonna remember its place that long. Yeah. But um Mandalorian. Didn't grow good. Is this is this the end of the Mandalorian? Um uh, maybe the show. Man, no, but I think they'll I mean, show like, up. No, well, I mean let's, yeah. Well, First off, as cool as that Mandalorian fight was, it just looked like a bunch of hornets flying around. A bunch of pissed off hornets. Um, it felt really safe. Yeah. Very, very safe. Uh, for crying out loud, we got a Looney Tunes ending. Yeah, <laughs> we did. That's funny. That's funny. It it did feel safe, but it felt very Star Wars at the same time. Yeah, it did. I mean, my th- my thing is that like, don't get me wrong. Having sat through all the Clone Wars shit now, I'm glad that there were little small payoffs to get throughout watching this throughout watching the Mandalorian at, at large, especially from season two to now. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, that's cool to experience it that way. But I do think that the Clone Wars plot lines hijacked this season. Um, There was so much fucking Bo-Katan in this season, dude. Yeah. And you could tell, and I'm just going to kind of blend... Uh, some movie news in with this. Um, word on the street is apparently when they did Book of Boba Fett, because of the way they ended Mandalorian season two with Grogu leaving with Luke, Mando on his own. Apparently, the powers that be, and we both know, we we all know who we're talking about. Um rang up and was like, fix it now. And that is why we got the two episodes we got in Boba Fett where they come back together. Is because they were like, nah, they got to stay together. Right. And that was part of the decision making as to why they're suddenly back together in season three. I think that's bullshit. (laughs) Because we were robbed of possibly a really great story slash journey where 
we have our heroes split and they're both taking different paths. And then the payoff of them coming back together was just pulled out from under us and thrown into us, thrown into our faces a year later. Yeah. Like there was no time for us to chew in, in anticipation for it. Wasn't a whole lot of like, you know, and that's, you know, like that's, that's part of the experience of Star Wars, I think. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, echoes of the I am your father sequence where we're like, oh shit, like right. having to reel off that for a while, you know? Yeah. And I felt like we were kind of robbed of that. I felt also that like them destroying the Darksaber just like it's no big deal was kind of like a goof. <laughs> like we're talking about the literal like Excalibur of Star Wars and it's just you know it's this sword that is supposedly such a big deal to Mandalorian culture that they're just like yeah we're done here with it break well the way that I took that was like the they were it's like the that the death of the old ideas and the old ideals of the Mandalorians dies with the dark saber. But in uh, essence, that, but in essence though, aren't them? Well, particularly with the Mandalorian that we're experiencing the story through that dude is all about con like preserving heritage and all of that. And I know that it wasn't him that loses it or whatever, but with a weapon being as vital as that, you know, just handing it over first off was like, what the fuck? And like, you know, pulling the whole like, yeah, well, we're going to throw some backyard rules out here, guys. Technically, that guy beat me. So I beat them and they get to be it. Right. Well, th that's just like, like I said, that's kind of how I interpreted that. Like, and the idea is like, okay, so the crystal should still be intact, right? And it can be reforged For by sure. Grogu, which is going to be like his quest whenever he gets older. Now, he's going to reforge the dark saber. I didn't think about that, and that would be really cool if him reforging the dark saber is him doing his Jedi trials, where you create your lightsaber at the end. Well, for Grogu, he creates the dark saber again. That would be fucking awesome. Well, there's a couple of implications that come from that because think about it. Like we've read and heard and seen like the Mandalorians are going to rebuild their society. The society is going to flourish. Then inevitably it's going to devolve into some type of civil war because that seems to be the natural way of the Mandalorians. And what better way to try to unify the people again on his journey to becoming, you know, the leader of possible leader of the Mandalorians is to reforge the dark saber. So it has a couple of different things going for it. It's the way for him to do his Jedi trials. It's a way for him to unite his people in a time of turmoil. It's a way, you know, it's got all these different things. So when they destroyed it, I was like, they're setting up for something badass in the future right there. Well, I think, I think just at large, um, and I think I brought it up before, but the whole sequence at the end, where they're down there at the living waters. Yeah. Dan adopts Grogu. 
they're able to do the creed and make him a, a fully fledged Mandalorian now. I think it just cements my working theory that the show has always been about Grogu. And yeah. that then is just the audience's vehicle to experience Grogu's story. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like, the reason why Yoda's species doesn't have a backstory is because George Lucas never made it. Yeah. He's a, he's a mystery character. He was there just to be this mystic figure that embodies the light side. And that's all there was to it. Like he didn't, he never came up with a complex history. All that's just been fan speculation and hearsay. Yeah. Like you can pull it straight up from the guy's mouth, man. He's like, no, dude, he's a magic character. He's just there. <laughs> like, and yeah. so they're, they're starting to try to cultivate that. And, you know, being able to do that, but instead of making it be about his species, adopt him into a society and make him just embellish more with that was fucking ingenious on Favreau and Filoni's part. Yeah. Oh, I agree. But I do believe that the show, The Mandalorian, is absolutely referring to Grogu because we're seeing his full journey from becoming a foundling. He's become a an apprentice now. And like by the end of it, however they get to where, even if it's not on the show, The Mandalorian, and we get it in a film that's hundreds of years later because this species can live long, blah, blah, blah. Like, we're going to get it to where, like, you know, he's a fucking bounty hunting Yoda. <laughs> yeah. That's so fucking cool to me. Like, yeah. And, and I hope we get there eventually. I hope that, that we get some sort of content that, that depicts him and that be it comic book, movie, video game. Don't give a shit. I just make it happen, you know? Right. Yeah, I, they kind of wrapped everything up, put a nice little bow on it. That's what makes me wonder. It's like, okay, they're going to pick up with like Ahsoka and a couple other things that they're still planning, you know, in the pipeline. Of course, Jen and Grogu and the rest of them will show up at some point, probably in this those series or that movie that Filoni's working on and everything, which is like super cool and interesting and going to be fun to watch. Um, but I mean, like, it's real like the first season set up with like Mando, like everything that's going on, his his adventures, the child, all this kind of stuff. And then it's it morphed so much to focus on like he, he kind of became a secondary character and took a backseat to Grogu, Bo-Katan, like all these other people. So it's like, yeah, it was very interesting how they did that, but they did it, in my opinion, in a very well well orchestrated way to where it's like okay i kind of care about bo katan and everything like getting mandalore back up and running and all this kind of stuff so i'm not upset that like this is happening you know and i'm that they did a good job at at doing that and him just be the vehicle he like mando was developed as the yes man you need somebody to go save the boy that was taken by a giant dragon thing yes well i do but i do miss the days of season one where we just got the classic bounty of the week. Like I can bring in hot or I can bring in cold. And they did in a way they did reset it to where they can go back to that now, because it does end with him being like, look, I'll work with the old Republic with the new Republic on a case by case basis. He's now got a competent child with him that will help him. 
Like now they can go back to season one. Yeah. In a way, I guess. And they can actually go back to doing just full on bounty hunt again, which would be fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. He said season four would probably come out sometime 2024. So, I mean, sheesh. And if that happens, it would lead up on, well, 2024, they're looking at the. There's a movie that's playing a Star Wars movie, but it might be they may be fast track Filoni's movie for a 2025 release. Well, like here's my thing, man, and I wonder if y'all got this same feeling too. When y'all were watching the Book of Boba Fett, when it got to that first episode with Mando, and you know the the, the shot opens up, you see. They're on that ship, and you see the drapes, the little curtains or whatever. You see the figure walk into it. He steps through it, out walks fucking Mando, and the motif hit and hits the whim, whim, or da-doom. That excitement, you're like, oh, fuck, it's Mando. You know, like his theme song that comes on when he shows up. Well, my thing is that, like, I want to have that moment again, and I feel like the only way that we'll get it, and it'll it'll be impactful, is going to be if we let Mando and Grogu chill at their fucking crib for a while and we let that be what it is. Right, yeah. And then later on when something happens, like, or like, hell, have it in Ahsoka, dude. The odds are stacked against her. She's fucking doing everything she can. She's got a couple people from other shows helping her, but they're incapacitated. Some shit's going down, whatever. A ship's about to fucking show up and show out, but it gets shot the fuck down. You're like, what the hell? In comes the fucking Naboo fighter. And we're like, that's fucking Mandalorian shit, dude. Yeah. (laughs) And he drops in and he's like, Grogu heard your fucking, like, I felt your disturbance in the force. Like, can't believe you showed up. This is the way. Yeah. (laughs) This season's been fun, though. Like, I've enjoyed it a ton. And I I, I really liked how I liked. I like that when the the thing here and here's some stuff specifically at the very end when we have the golf, the Moff Gideon showdown. First off, I think Moff Gideon was a clone. Like I think the real Moff Gideon wasn't there at all. Um, but I felt like Grogu was underused. Like, don't get me wrong. It was cool noticing that when he does the force shield, he didn't get quite as ex- like he's he's more in tune with the, you can tell his train he's been you can tell his training with Luke he gained some a lot of ground in his time with him. Well, yeah. and what he needed was for Mando to be in danger, you know, to yeah. unlock that where he could actually make it. You know, because oh, that's yeah. when he's it like, comes go- out. Anytime like some yeah. about to hurt Mando, oh, <laughs> get the fuck out of oh, here! Oh, he's like. Well, he's like Gohan from Dragon Ball. Yeah. Like, he don't want to fucking do any of this shit. But when he gets stressed the fuck out, his his hidden abilities kick in, and then it's like, oh, they fucked up. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it was cool that, like, even when... Even though I liked the whole mech suit thing concept, I hate that they destroyed it, but it was cool seeing Grogu reenact his jump training that he yeah. had with Luke. Yeah. Like, cause you were like, oh, he's doing his Jedi shit. Look at the puppet go, whatever, you know? But, um, 
I felt like that was an underwhelming moment because whenever there, whenever the Praetorian guards about to kill Mandalorian, and you start hearing no, 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 and you turn around and you see Grogu pissed off hitting that, I'm like, oh shit, he's gonna lure him into this room and he's gonna force crush all three of them at once. Like, I was hoping something like, like, like a, a really uncontrollable, like a moment where Grogu's kind of sort of embraced the dark side. Like he's like, no, I'm not just gonna put you down i'm gonna fucking kill your ass dude like but i don't know i felt like he was kind of underused in that moment but it was cool when he was doing shit where like they were trying to kill mando but like he would stop their weapon from moving or he'd push one out of the way like like they were like they had a one two like they had an army of two thing going on you did good kid yeah you did good. Yeah. Um, and how badass was them wrecking that fucking ship into the base? Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought that dude was going to leave. Yeah. I thought he was going to take that ship leave. I was like, this motherfucker's snake. But nah, dude. I, yeah, I can't believe there was die. no, there, there were no betrayals. Yeah, and I was after, expecting one. I thought that the woman was the armor. Yeah. I thought she was going to do it. Yeah, when I she was went out, I was like, dude. "Oh, and you know, and like, and it had you because it's like she made her pull her helmet off and she stirred well, shit like, up." Well, even visually speaking, now that I think about it, like she had spikes on her helmet. Gideon did, like, as far as like overarching other Star Wars shit that it connects to, I was at least hoping that in their di- in the dialogue from Gideon, you know how like in the episode, the Jack Black episode we find out that Christopher Lloyd was a Dooku loyalist. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's going to be cool if we run into people who were like, no, I believed in this guy. And you're like, I know who that was. And he was fucked up, you know? Yeah. Well, like, it would have been cool if we found out Gideon was a Darth Maul loyalist or something. Like, he was just like, you know, somewhere off screen, we realized Maul had a larger following of people who were like, no, nah, dude, like we may not be acknowledged by you, but we believe in what the fuck yeah, you do. Make the know? galaxy great again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. Make the, make the menace great again, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty happy with it though. Overall. I mean, there was a couple of things, but like, I don't know. Great characters, great concept, great, like everything. Yeah. I'm well, excited. I mean, regard, yeah, regardless how it ended, I had a good time watching it. And the moments between Mando and Grogu are getting better and better and better. Yeah. I wonder when it comes back if there'll be like a time jump, a little bit of a... It'd be nice, so, you know? man. Yeah. Well, like, have it to where, have it to where, you know, Grogu can at least put simple sentences together. Yeah. Like I want like, or like, I want to eat or like, let's eat, let's food, you know, like just something that you would think the natural progression of a species that old would get through whatever time. Yeah. He needs to get him some hooked on phonics or something. Well, I was really hoping they'd keep the mech suit and they'd straight Congo the shit out of him where he has like a thing that can either read his mind and be like, like have a voice box that's like, you know, we need to go. Let's leave. And and like you could even have it to where Takawatiti is the voice of Grogu using the mech suit. Yeah. 
Well, I think the natural progression is like when they when they bring him back and they can develop start developing his speech pattern, make him a little bit bigger, a little older. Yeah. And like at the end of it, he takes the the vow. Oh, dude. Or even or dude, a moment where he's talking like that and we finally get that first moment where Grogu looks at Mando and he's like, we got to go, we got to split, or, you know, they're getting split up, you know, or some shit like this. And he says some stuff like this ain't goodbye. And the last thing we get when he turns around, looks at him is something, you know, like it's some Jedi. He, he turns around and goes, may the force be with you. And then he fucking leaves and you're like, Oh God, this puppet's yeah. making me cry. You know, <laughs> puppeteers get it. Puppeteers. Yeah. Puppeteers. <laughs> 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 Well, I got a little bit of movie news here if y'all want to tackle this real quick. So, Beetlejuice 2 has been officially announced by Warner Brothers. So, it's finally official. Beetlejuice 2 is in the works. It's been announced by Warner Brothers that the long gestating sequel is in development, though this follows months of rumors that the sequel was finally getting on the right track. Per Screen Rant, Warner Brothers made the announcement during the studio's panel at CinemaCon though not much else was announced beyond the confirmation that the sequel is in development. It's unclear if Michael Keaton will return to the role, though it seems likely given his interest in doing so in the past. He's also had no issue in revisiting classic Tim Burton characters as seen by his return as Batman for the upcoming movie The Flash. There have been rumors flaring about the movie's casting. It was previously reported in March that Wednesday star Jenna uh, Ortega was being eyed for the major role in the film. Stranger Things star Sadie Sink had been up for the same part before turning it down, according to the rumor mill. It was also reported that Keaton was expected to come back with Burton also returning to the director's chair. So it's very interesting that, like, because, dude, this has been churning for a a hot minute. Yeah. But, man, do we really, do we really? Yes, we do. does this movie risk? as long as it's Michael Keaton? Hey, yeah. we weren't sure about another Ghostbusters movie, but man, I mean, that just is almost two lightning in a bottle, though, man. But it's got to be Keaton. Some stars that was some stars. I ain't alive. watching if it don't have Keaton in it. Yeah, for real, right? I mean, I'm I, I'll definitely watch it. I grew up on Beetlejuice, the both the movie and the cartoon, man. So I'm I'm right there with y'all in hype, but. I can't help but be nervous. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a natural reaction, you know? So Joe Russo predicts that making movies with AI will be the norm in two years. So the rise of AI is just getting started from uh, custom illustrations, imagining anything you might desire to having AI literally scripting out stories. Many people are wondering how the phenomenon will be affecting the entertainment industry in the coming years. It's a question that was uh, poised to Avengers Infinity War and Endgame co-director Joe Russo. And as far as he sees it, it's looking like AI will be full on making movies in Hollywood within a couple of years. Russo explained how this is the latest step in the advancement of technology. It's going to be embraced by Gen Z as they grew up with it and know how to use it. He says that this is different from an out-of-touch uncle who doesn't know how to send emails and surmises that young filmmakers will be utilizing AI for the creative process of their films in the near future. And it's probably only going to grow from there. 
As Russo explains, filmmakers will essentially have the ability to fully script out a feature film and even mimic the people in it, whether it's themselves or even dead celebrities. This is what Russo had to say about it. Potentially what you could do with it uh, is obviously use it to engineer storytelling and change storytelling. So you have a constantly evolving story, either in a game or in a movie or a TV show. You could walk into your house and save the AI on your streaming platform. Say, hey, I want a movie starring my photo real avatar and Marilyn Monroe's photo real avatar. I want it to be a rom-com because I've had a rough day. And it renders a very competent story with dialogue that mimics your voice. It mimics your voice and suddenly now you have a rom-com starring you that's 90 minutes long. So you can curate your story specifically to you. That's insane. That's wild. I don't like that. I don't either. Um, I feel like, uh, well, like here's the thing though, with these AI programs, man. Yeah. They can create a script, but it doesn't understand what a script is. It doesn't know. It'll like, get it doesn't better understand. over time. Yeah, I mean, through machine learning, absolutely. But it's still, like, it's still at its, even where we're at now with AI, it's still fucking stupid, like, in terms of what it could be. I didn't say that, I, What it I, will uh... be. <laughs> See, we, I don't have access to GPT-5, so can't really talk yeah. about that one. Well, cause right. like, well, it did pass well, the bar with higher score than the well, other the one did. Well, the thing about but... it, though, man, is that is if if it if it was on if it was on the if it's on the the final product of being a super intelligence, the last thing that it would be is a fucking app we can download. Yeah, like, we wouldn't know about it. But it would be cool to make a movie, you know, with no budget. Oh, I like happily. Like if we had I, an idea, it's like oh, you can make a I, show, a cartoon, a. Oh, I agree. And, and I you can hit render it as many times as you want, pull the best bits. Yeah. You know, the, the better see, the keywords, the better. But you but you and I both know that, like, it's going to be exciting when we finally get to the trailer list and we see that trailer where when we hit play, the thing comes up on screen and goes, the movie you're about to watch was written entirely using AI. Those first couple of films that we have that, that's going to be cool as shit. But I think... Kind of like with stuff like Mid Journey and everything, because humans are so good at pattern finding, or because that's what we're geared to do, we're gonna see recycled parts, and it's not like it's almost gonna be like, yeah, it's a fun thing we did, we fucked with that Rubik's cube a bit, but now we're just gonna sit it on our desk and never fuck with it again. Like, I think it'll, it'll happen. There'll be a spurt for a little while and then good old fashioned filmmaking will come back and take supremacy. Well, I, here, here's the thing. And this is something that I saw someone post this on Reddit or Twitter about AI. And this is kind of where it started to make a little bit more sense to me in terms of like use case scenario. They're like, you know, anybody can can be like, hey, AI, generate me this image, and you describe the image, and it does it. I've been using AI a lot here lately 
with developing stuff like just to like <clears throat> see if it's balanced because it can run it can run calculations so quickly you know what i mean mm-hmm. um it's a lot faster to use an ai to do something than to get a group of people together and like actually sit down and test something out you know what i mean yeah um so that's the thing that that's that's the 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 perfect use case for ai just from a artistic standpoint and i'm going to consider film an art form in this point is like your ability to go in there and it's like okay these are the ideas that i have for a story this is the script that i have for a story can you fact check this or or look through the infinite cinema to see yeah. has this has this been done before if so how closely related are the two things like is is this problematic for any reason whatsoever? Like, is there is there something in this that some people might find offensive? Like, those are the practical use cases. Artists being able to draw something and then have the AI embellish what has been drawn instead of, like, being an artist and then also having to learn how to use a tool like Photoshop or something else to embellish on their artwork. That is perfect use cases, in my opinion, for AI. But having it sitting down and say, I want a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio and Matthew McConaughey and Marlon Brando and Jack Nicholson. And I want it to be a gangster movie. I don't want that because it's going to be cheap and generic, just like Trav said. Well, also also too, man, like you're only going to be fascinated by the output of a machine for so long before it's so commonplace that you actually are going to want the nuances of of a, of, of a human-made artwork. Yeah. Because if it's perfect, seamless, everything looks great, like you're only going to take that sterilized, perf- perfect thing for so long before you realize, you know what? Imperfections is what makes the experience kind of worthwhile. Yeah. It, it, like, for instance, in, in the case with Ant-Man and, and, and uh, Quantumania, it's not by any stretch of the imagination a perfect film. Far, far, far from it. But it's not terrible. But you can tell a human put effort into writing that thing. Yeah. Like, a group of humans put effort into and writing now, it. Well, and, and they're <laughs> also, they're using AI for film treatments already. Yeah. It's already like that's happening. That's already happening. Yeah. But, you know, they just go in there and like, you know, give me a scenario for this. You know, because you can make it write some pretty cool short stories. I fucked around with that one night. You know, it wrote stories about like I had it write one about our band. You know, and it oh, just cool. spit it out and it's like, Oh, that's neat. Yeah. I think it's a good tool to help. Yeah. Because yeah, you'll tool. have these people that Key put these movies there, out and they're man. like, That movie was great and it was like, Well it was all AI and it's like, Oh, so they had, they had aimbot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, so when a filmmaker really makes something they'll you know, they'll, they'll hold them higher because it's like, Oh, okay, yeah. Well like what would be cool that was man made what would be interesting is if we get a film where setting location characters, all that stuff is human made, but what the person does is go in and go, here's this character's backstory. Here's this character's backstory. Here's the scenario, write the dialogue. Yeah. How would they exchange? Yeah. And you could use that in a in a in a way of being like, does that capture a nuance I want? Or does it bring up one that I didn't even consider? Well, and because I think that it, it a thousand times generate it. Yeah. yeah. 
But uh, and the thing with AI, just from messing around with AI a little bit, is like <clears throat> the excuse me, the more information that you give it, <clears throat> the more yeah. uh, the more parameters that you set for it, the better it is. So if you're like, I want that gangster flick with. Leonardo DiCaprio, blah, 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 blah. I want it set during this time period. I want the characters to have this accent. This is the backstory for these. Like you said, Trev, like the more that you plug into it, the more real it becomes, the more, the more believable that it becomes. And it's like, at that point, just write a fucking story. Like, you know what I mean? But that's also where I think the AI would also start to goof on itself. Because even though it's like, all right, you have your parameters set where you're like, all right, this is a very heavy tone scene that we're dealing with this subject matter with this blah, 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 blah. And it'll write it out. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't under like, I'm just really going to lowball here and really like, you know, like say there's a, a sexual assault se- sequence that happens. And we're dealing with a scene afterwards of the characters discussing what the fuck just happened. The AI is writing it, but it's going to write it in a way that it doesn't understand the concept of sexual assault. It only knows the word and the definition. It doesn't understand the emotional ramifications of it. Yeah. Because it's not human. It's not, it, it, it wouldn't understand how to capture a nuance. Yeah. So you would have to teach it that. Yeah. And at that point, just write it yourself. Give it examples. Like, yeah, that's that's exact. Be like, hey, go watch these YouTube videos where people are discussing their real life sexual assault situations, and then base all of this information off of, you know, to write this scene with. And then but at then, that point, you're you're going to be doing that research anyway. So yeah, and that po- to me that poses the 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 quandary of like. it's just like how like how does like how yeah like how does how does ai capture like when is it a good time to utilize it and when is it not you know yeah well i think that before it progresses too much there's going to be hard hard locks on it and it's and once the hard the hard stops are put into place for the AI, then it's going to be developed as a tool at that point forward, as opposed to this be all end all, you know, solution to everything. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever. I think if if we're smart enough as a species, we'll never allow it to become super intelligent. Yeah, we'll only keep it on a we'll keep it on a leash where it's like, okay, you well, are. Like you're the you're like you're an AI, you are beyond a general level to where you're almost super, but your only information that we have fed you is medical stuff. You have no knowledge of world history, of societal like nothing that could help you to do deduce the thing where it's like, you know what, I don't think I'm gonna save this human. Why? Because there's a lot of humans on this planet. What does this one matter? You know? Yeah, and I think it'll be very like you know, or like a super AI that's like not super, but a general AI that's like, hey, uh, this thing has the whole of auto mechanical knowledge. 
like give me the most efficient way to change an exhaust kit on an X model, blah, 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 or whatever intricate problem there might be. And it'll spit it out in like fucking a matter of minutes. Like, here's what you do. I think you know? the one you have to worry about is Google because that the CEO straight up said he's trying to make a digital god. Yeah, they want that. Yeah, supercomputer that's and if they but and, and it they they've got to make a hard switch, dude. It's oh, yeah. got to have a wall it hits. Because because sure. well, I mean, because the worst that's going to happen if if that well, if it gets like, loose. Well, if it gets loose, it's all, we have to keep it in the digital world. And I know we're getting really like almost sci-fi level shit right now. But in reality, it's the truth. We would have to almost self-EMP ourselves and start from scratch to get rid of it. Because if it's everywhere, it would be like, imagine Stuxnet with a fucking brain. Yeah. You know, like it could just go into any system and just cause as much damage as it wants. And not even because it wants to. It's just because, like, its existence as a whole just fucking wrecks everything. Because it's just pounding systems with information and it can't handle it. So, I mean, maybe in a way it would be constricted only to its supercomputer or server room. I can't because, wait for all the movies about the AI made by the well, AI. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah. Like I said, I, I look forward to those first few films that that utilize it because they're going to be groundbreaking. They're going to be different. They're going to be something fresh and new. But I don't think it's going to have the staying power as like an AI that's going to be like, "Good morning, Dirt Lord." your stool levels were measured when you use the bathroom and you're operating at 95% capacity this morning. Would you like a banana? You know, you know, like, I don't think mm-hmm. it's gonna, you know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. But yeah, it's interesting that Russo's buying into that so heavily. Like, I, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know if he's part of like that AI board thing, you know, or whatever, but it is what it is, you know. But next up here, Schwarzenegger sets big screen action movie return in Breakout. So action movie superstar and Hollywood icon Arnold Schwarzenegger will soon be back on the big screen. Terminator star will lead the upcoming action thriller Breakout from the Expendable 4 director Scott Wog. Wow. Uh, a report by Deadline reveals, with the project now being launched by financer Anton Corp in anticipation of the Cannes market. You can check out the synopsis for Breakout Below. When his stepson Daniel is framed and sentenced to 25 years in a foreign country, Reynolds makes a daring jailbreak to save him and must overcome an overzealous prison warden in a race against time to avoid capture and flee the country. I feel like I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Like three Wasn't times. Wasn't there a over. movie with him and Stallone in it where they broke out of a prison? Yeah. I think so. Oh, jailbreak. Yeah. There you go. So, or no, 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 or escape room or some it, shit something. like that. Yeah. But he's, he's back, I guess. We got a trailer so. with him in it later. Hell yeah. Netflix. Okay. It's not on the big screen, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Some you know. screens are big that play Netflix. Yeah. 
Next up here, Alec Baldwin participating in documentary about Rust tragedy. Mm. So production on Rust has resumed in Montana and simultaneously star Alec Baldwin is participating in a documentary being made about the death of cinematographer uh, Halna Hutchins. Uh, In October 2021, Baldwin was preparing to film a scene for the Western when the prop gun he was holding discharged live round, killing Hutchins and wounding director Joel uh, Souza. Uh, Production was shut down immediately as a lengthy investigation commenced. Criminal charges were filed against Baldwin in relation to the accident, but they have since been dropped. Now, per Variety, details have emerged about a documentary that filmmaker Rory Kennedy is working on, which will detail the rust accident. Baldwin was working with Kennedy on the dock, and the director was seen filming the actor in New York as he prepared to travel to Montana to resume filming Rust. Kennedy and her docu- and her documentary team are also reportedly on the uh, Montana set to record footage of the production to be used for the documentary. It's one of multiple documentaries about the Rust tragedy that are currently in the works. This is separate from another doc that will focus primarily on the aftermath of the incident. This one from director Rachel Mason and producer Julie Metz. Uh, Hutchins' widow, Matthew Hutchins, is cooperating with this doc to tell his late wife's story. So, like, there, like, he was in trial not too long ago, right? Or, like, litigation or whatever? Yeah. Because of all this all stuff? All charges that was... have been dropped. Yeah. They're charging so... armor. His defense said that the gun had been modified so it could go off without pulling trigger. But is that true? I mean, that's what they said. Well. It's crazy. It's it's in bad taste that he would participate in a documentary. I will say that. Well, it's in bad taste that, that they would try to finish the movie, first of all. Yeah. Second of all, it's in bad taste that like he, because here's what this article sounds like to me. Alec Baldwin is headlining a documentary to prove his innocence. Yep. That's that's what he's doing. And then he's you, trying to make it, yeah. you know, oh, no, this this is this is the real story. Yeah. And then uh, in other news, Matthew Hutchins, widower of um yeah. Helena Hutchins. Hel- Helena Hutchins is uh spearheading a documentary trying to tell the true story of what actually happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's very weird. Well, it's a very, he has it, the right to do that. Yeah. You know, that's his wife. Sure. Mm-hmm. But him participating in a document, trying to clear his name, it's like, okay, sure, yeah. the gun was modified. Why the fuck did it have real bullets in it? Exactly. Well, it's the armor's fault. Armor wasn't there that day. Yeah. Producer gave you the gun. Yeah. You were also so, a producer. And yeah. you skipped the safety training. Skipped it all. Yeah. He wasn't supposed to they, shoot. That's fuck all that. This this should have been one of those movies that could have been. Like, it should have just been scrapped, and we just left to speculate what the movie could have, you know. I'm not watching been. it. No. I don't it's, even want to see it. This is a bad look for Baldwin all the way around, man. Like, I get, like, things happen. I understand yeah. that. But there's still a certain level of accountability that you yeah, have to Yeah, why couldn't take. he accept it, like? Yeah, I did. I mean, it was an accident, completely accident, but it happened. But he's so this sorry. anti-gun guy, right? Yes, like, big time. The anti-gun guy shoots somebody because so, because I he mean, didn't want to take gun safety training. Exactly, on the set, right. which was mandatory. Yeah, by the way. So 
It's it's a bunch of bullshit, if you ask me. It's he's it's not a good look for him at all. So no. Next up here, Evil Dead Rise director has another horror franchise he would love to direct. So Evil Dead Rise is all set to deliver on its promise of being one of the most brutal and bloody movies of the long-running franchise as it arrives in theaters this weekend. For director Lee Cronin, it has been a labor of love to be part of the franchise, and while many uh, may be questioning the chances of a sequel, especially following Bruce Campbell's update on plans for for Evil Dead's future, Cronin would love to get his hands on another iconic horror franchise. While speaking to comicbook.com, Cronin was asked about another movie franchise he would like to be a part of, as well as noting that he would like to take a stab at something within the Lord of the Rings. He also, um, he would also not be able to say no to taking a walk down Elm street if he was given the chance. So this is what he said. It's a great question. There's not many, and I definitely don't want to be the franchise refreshment director. Uh, the one that I find really hard to not have, what I did with Evil Dead uh, when it was brought to me was I just went and had a good old think about it for a long time. And that was the terrifying part was I might have to say no if I don't find a story that I want to tell. So the only other one that would put me in the position where I'd be like, there's two things and they're to- tonally different. I'd find it very difficult to not have a stab at something in the Lord of the Rings world because I'm a big fan. That's something that I feel like my skills as a filmmaker, they're not bound just by the obvious trappings of horror. I think I could create something on that large canvas. But then back to the horror world, the one that I would uh, find really, and I find it really hard to pass up, the opportunity would be something in the A Nightmare on Elm Street universe. I mean... I'm going to try to go watch Evil Dead this weekend, and, like, if it's as good as they say that it is, put him on it, you know? Sign him up. And with The Lord of the Rings, like, it can't be any worse than that series they came out with, so, Mm -hmm. like, why not, you know? But, yeah. Let him have it. All right, Beer Fest 2 Pot Fest talks are happening at Warner Brothers. So, you know, Beer Fest 2 or Beer Fest came out, what, like 15 years ago at this point? 2006 was when it was released. Uh, and they talked about a, a sequel called Pot Fest. But ever since then, the film seems to be stuck in development hell, leading fans to wonder if it will ever see the light of day. Not all hope is lost, however, as Broken Wizards Jay, I can never pronounce this dude's last name. I'm not even going to try provided an optimistic update on the project in a new interview with Nerdtropolis. He says that they're currently in talks with Warner Brothers about making the film as the studio owns the owns the rights and would need to greenlight the project. With the ball in the studio's court, it's not up to Broken Lizard Team to decide, but the group remains hopeful that Potfest, in fact, gets made. This is what he said. Uh, we're discussing it with Warner Brothers because they own the sequel, so we are hoping to get it made. Yeah, that's the hope. So it came out in 2006, like, if, you know, well, you if know they've got Warner that Brothers, show out now. Yeah. So yeah. they've been making the rounds. I, I heard them on a podcast talking about possibly getting it made. I, I, I always remember that scene from the first beer fest where that dude's climbing down off that ladder. He goes, I'll show you how to drink a fucking beer. There's so many memorable moment, moments. It's a dollar to touch it. 
dollar no it was a dollar to look at it two dollars to touch it three dollars to watch me touch it it's like dude but yeah i would totally be like and it would be the perfect time to do it you know they wouldn't have to travel to it i mean of course they'd probably set it in amsterdam right because you know amsterdam but or california yeah california Indiana Jones 5 director teases opening 25-minute-long flashback sequence. Yeah, so, I, know we were, I know we were at the end here, but I saw this during one of the other articles and was like, man, this seems pretty fucking cool. So set in the late 1960s, the film will find Indy away from his busy life as an adventurer retired after continuing to teach at the university. However, the sudden arrival of his goddaughter, uh, Helena, will take away his recently known tranquility and lead him to the greatest of his adventures to date. Uh, the young woman informs him that her father and Indy's friend, Basil, found a mysterious object on a train that made him lose his mind. With the help of the legendary archaeologist, they will try to solve the mystery behind the object without knowing that they will end up involved behind a huge conspiracy that includes a former Nazi boss with terrifying plans. But before reaching its present, Indiana Jones 5 will invite fans on a journey into the past with an incredible sequence set in 1944, and that's where technology will make its big display, using a de-aging process on Harrison Ford. Uh, in a chat with Total Film Magazine, Mangold explained how the scene was made and the advantages provided by the VFX department in the final results. I just shot him, and he just pretended that he was 35. Mangold describes Ford as an incredibly gifted and agile actor. But the technology involved is a whole other thing. We had hundreds of hours of footage of him in close-ups and mediums and wides and uh, in every kind of lighting, night and day. I could shoot Harrison on a Monday, as you know, a 79-year-old playing a 35-year-old, and I could see dailies by Wednesday and his head already replaced. The director also explained the importance of the sequence with the rest of the movie. I just focus on shooting what's a pro a pro approximately a 25-minute opening extravaganza that was my chance to just let it rip. The goal was to give the audience a full-body taste of what they missed so much. Because then, when the movie lands in 1969, they're going to have to make an adjustment to what it is now, which is a different, which is different from what it was. That's crazy. 25 minutes. So the movie's going to at least be three hours long, right? Well, it is it is Harrison Ford's last portrayal of Indiana Jones. So Yeah. But, I mean, I think there's key words there. Like, he's going to give us a good 20, 25 to 30 minutes of just Indiana fucking Jones. Yeah. Being a bad and then it's going to be the torch, the hand in the torch shit to the goddaughter, yeah. probably. Yeah. Two hours and 22 minutes. So, wow, okay. Well, I guess they could tell an Indiana Jones story in two hours. You know? But still, though, that's insane. Like, legitimately, so. I'm I interested. Love the, I love the bottom of this on here at the bottom of the article. It says, the idea of a reboot of the saga was also considered, but that was never confirmed since many fans considered that only Harrison Ford should play the character. And I agree, there will only be one Indiana Jones, and no oh, reboot yeah. will ever fix that. I mean, they'll try later on, but 
they'll fall yeah. in his face. They'll be like, okay, we tried. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like you can't replace Doc Brown. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So. But, yeah, man. I thought that was cool, dude. 25-minute scene where we're getting just fucking de-aging, like, like the money, <laughs> you know? That's yeah. where, where that's at. So. Give us the money, Harrison. <laughs> He's like, oh. Where's the fucking money? It makes me want to go back and watch that original trilogy. I could I could put any of those original trilogy, specifically Raiders of the Lost Ark in you right damn now. Right, I mean, we man. should do it when this one comes out. Do we it, build are up we going to do all, all mean, four yeah. of them? All right. Yeah. We go hard in the paint here, Griffin. I have a feeling we'll like uh, Crystal Skull <laughs> a little more than we did when it came out. Yeah, I think the rewatch will put yeah. it in better perspective. Had a few years to smoke on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm down with that. We got uh, June Wick. When does Indiana Jones 5 come out? <sighs> it's it's in the summer, right? Let's see. June 30th. Oh, so... Which, I, well, we can lead up to it whenever it releases on yeah. Disney Plus. That would be, yeah. Because I'm, I'm still debating on if I want to go to the theater and see it or not. There's so many. Like, I want to go watch Evil Dead, Guardians of the Galaxy, The Flash. Like, there's a lot that's coming out um, soon. I'm, I keep my movie going minimal, and I'm holding out for The Flash, dude. Yeah. Whenever we set a day up, Trav, I'll let you know and we'll try to swing it. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Before, uh, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm changing the subject. Oh, I was just going to say, it's probably just going to be me and my brothers anyway. So We three. Yeah, yeah. Usually, usually if I go, it's going to be on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, man. So that's usually my... Unless I can get out early enough on the weekend, but mm. it'll be summer. So who knows? Tuesday, but, huh? We'll figure it out. Tuesday. Well, not, tu- well, not Tuesday. It'd be Monday or Wednesday. My bad. Unless we catch a Tuesday matinee. Matinee. What I was going to say before we watched the trailers, I didn't get a chance. I was looking at it because I was like, wonder when the other one. But, um, Beer Fest, it's been 17 years. They're going to maybe do the, the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, it was 17 years when they made Super Troopers 2. Okay, yeah. So, makes cool. sense. Thank you. It's kind of cool. Yeah. I was doing like a Kevin Smith connect the dots thing. Yeah. Wait a minute. He's like, well, this movie, I wrote this when I was 21, so we got to release it on the 21st day of the same yeah, month right. that it came out when I wrote He's always trying to. Yeah. Connect shit like that. It's just like, dude, just fucking put it out. Yeah, nobody gives a fuck, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin. I'm ready for trailers, though. We got some decent looking ones in here. This name would be, this first trailer would be a really badass name for an album. All the light we cannot see. I think it is a metal album. 
I'm ready. Definitely sounds like one. Yeah. All right. Three, two, one, play. Is this our boy? Ruffalo. Ruffalo. Ruffaho? Ruffa Joe. World War Two. Wrote book. I did not see them coming. <laughs> It looks sad. Yeah. It means it's going to be good. Oh, Sean Levy. Okay. We're going to see these people's lives just slowly deteriorate, dude. Was that House? It looked like him. We got that fifth element Gary Oldman in a Nazi suit going on. It is house. Mini series. We're gonna see the sl- we're gonna see the occupation of France through Germany, aren't we? Dude, look at that. Not one word was said. No, didn't need to. Oh, because the person doesn't talk. That was Braille. They're blind. That was a great trailer. Yeah, I feel like it's going to have a chance to have some really cinema. Like, it's going to be that thing where we have all these cinematic shots, but we have the bittersweet of knowing that the main character can't experience it. Yeah. That's going to be crazy. Oh, we got a Zell? We got some Zell? Zell whoop some ass? Of course. For a third time? Yeah. I'm always ready to see Zell. You go home, you will go to jail. I know you like to get wet. You thought I was shot up by the Russians? It's like the original John Wick. Y'all ready? Oh, yeah. Three, two, one, play. Mm-hmm. Man on fire. This ain't even a red band trailer, you know what I'm saying? Like she Oh, it is a red band. Oh, yeah, I look down like... <laughs> like the end of fucking taxi driver the next day. It's complicated. That works too. 
Oh, you're going to have to break bad one more time, dude. Yeah. One more time. He's about to equalize the fuck out of these people. You just car bomb the wrong motherfucker. Like I can't cure it, but I can equalize it. He about to want somebody's ass. He's probably going to die to save him. That's the last one. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Okay. I think I watched the first one or some of the first one, but kind of want to go back and check them out. Zell kicking ass. Man like, on fire. Yeah. yeah. So we finally get the first trailer for White Man Can't Jump, huh? White Man Can't Jump was a movie that we owned when I was a kid. Yeah, same. I watched it on VHS. Yeah, a few yeah. times. Quite a few. Yeah. Billy! <laughs> you can't duplicate the chemistry Woody and Wesley had. That was the top no. comment here. I mean, they going to try. like that uh, house party <laughs> yeah. movie. All right. Three, two, one, play. Dude, how hot was Rosie Perez in the original? I know, right? <laughs> that side boob. So this is the rapper. Well, I say rapper. This will be this kid's first movie.
five hundred thousand. A lot of that's a lot of money. Who's putting the money up for this fucking Elon? <laughs> it's a burn. Most people watching this don't know who the fuck Richard Simmons is, but I know. There's your Elon. Fuck. <laughs> That's the Elon flamethrower. <laughs> I feel like. I feel like it was a missed opportunity to not recruit Dave for this movie. I know, right? He would have been perfect, right? For sure. (laughs) That would have me on board. Yeah, for sure, right? I mean, mean, the the character acts like a little dicky. Yeah. Like a dollar store dicky. Yeah, dollar dicky. Discount (laughs) dicky. Double D. And he plays basketball, so I know. mean he can hoop. Yeah. He <laughs> said <laughs> anyway, I like, yeah. He like, yeah. Yeah, he can hoop. Fruit of the loop. Have, Have you seen Jim with the Blacks? He watched it. <laughs> Man. What a saga. It was great. Robots. What's this about? <laughs> all right three two one play why did he just push her away like that <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> e two. hilarious what the fuck childish So, his robot fell in love with her robot? 
Yeah. What the fuck? Hmm. Fuck. She's feral. <laughs> that's that's an interesting concept. For a rom com, it doesn't look bad at all. Yeah, it's like, like I would creators of Borat. Yeah. Robots. Boobar. Robots. Fucked up beyond all recognition. Well, it's got Schwarzenegger in it. He's like, don't worry, I'll save you. It's got Schwarzenops. I'm here to pump you up. It's funny that this was posted by Netflix India. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's going to be Bollywood. Dude, if he's out there dancing. Wait, is it? Wait, wasn't there a Bollywood movie called Fubar? We did watch a trailer for a Fubar. So this might be a remake. Dude, I hope. (laughs) All right, three, two, one, play. This guy's comment, he says, legends never retire, they terminate. Nope. His acting. Yeah. Language. I feel like you're not good at your job if you're in the CIA and you don't know your daughter's also in the CIA. Yeah, right. (laughs) Oh. Oh, God. It's more of a comedy. Yeah. Oh, it is comedy drama, and it's a series. Really? Yeah, it's it's a season. Eight episodes. (laughs) Well, let me think what I want to think. I don't know 
how I feel about that. <laughs> I mean, it looks silly. Like, I don't know. It, it looks silly. High desert. It's got ice cream with terpene sprinkled on it. Arquette. What's her first name? Patricia? I think that's Is her. it Patricia? Yeah. All right. Three, Patricia. two, one, play. Can't leave a comment. It's Apple. There's some solid actors in this. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck just happened? Comedy series. It looks there's it's a, got potential. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. It better like, be a series. Yeah. What the fuck? What's behind the green door? Another insidious movie. Wow, over there on the side, the first one came out in 2011. Yeah. Can't believe this became a series, even. I mean, the first one wasn't bad, but like it wasn't like, all right, man, guess we're franchising now. Yeah. This guy says finally a sequel to the original two. I haven't seen any of them, so. I think the third and fourth one were like prequels or something mm. or like, like offshoots. I always There's... left it alone at one. I never even bothered with the sequel, man. Same. Demons possession. Is that what this well, is? Well, I mean, well, because like, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, the original movie was a James Wan Lee Wanell thing. Yeah. And like, 
as far as movie one for the movies that they do, like solid shit, like they 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 make bangers, but it's when they start sequelizing them that they fucking suck. Yeah. So they don't direct this one, but they are producers along with Jason Bloom. Yeah. Bloom has productions. Let's check it out. Three, two, one, play. Sick ain't the fucking word. <laughs> Tipped off of the tulips? What? That it was a big part of the first movie. Mm-hmm. Tip through the tiptoe through the tulips. Was she in the original? Yeah. It's the chick from Kingpin. Yeah, she was in, like, some of the sequels were just about her. Okay. So, uh, I just noticed there in the last little bit of credits, it says the story was by Wheatley. So, like, so Wynnell did come in back with the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, Patrick Wilson, dude, he directed this. Patrick Wilson did? Yeah, that's the wow. star, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I, here's what I will say about it. So the first one comes out, kind of falls into that, you know, possession thing, whatever. Like, you know, yeah. this looks like there, it looks like it's turned into like a creature feature almost. Yeah, like, you know well, what I mean? Well, like Stranger Things is shit, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes it's me like, kind of want to do a dive on it. Well, it's like Wynnell was like, okay, people want that kind of shit. And I've been wanting to do that kind of shit. So here we go. Right now. Yeah. yeah. I'm interested. I mean, that it looks very interesting because it looks 
it doesn't look like the norm. You know what I mean? I'll, yeah, the way I it's mean, shot. I'll let it, I'll let it cook. Yeah, let it stew. Finally, Fast X Trailer 2. Oh, dude. We got to do these at some point, man. I know. I... Start <laughs> we a whole podcast we, just Griffin, if we do these movies, I don't care if there's 10 to 14 more. If we watch all of Fast and Furious instead of all of James Bond, I'm <laughs> going to be a little bit aggravated. We can, we can spread it out. <laughs> I like how no. the channel's the Fast Saga. Yeah. <laughs> 1.8 million subscribers. Jesus. Not all races can be one. Hashtag Fast X. I would have never thought in a million years that there would be 10 of these goddamn movies. It's all about Shit, family. There's going to be 11 soon. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. Print money. Yeah, right. Let's see. I know there's going to be a car coming out of an airplane. Three, two, one, play. Got to happen, right? Yeah. Or going into an airplane. I enjoyed the first one. Yeah. It was like real need for speed. (laughs) What's happening? It's a bomb, dude. It's got to stop it with its car. Well, this is... What's that game? (laughs) (laughs) Damn. What is he fucking dressed like? He's a genie, dude. It's like Dommy. Oh, God. Jason Statham. His name was Dookie. I'm still trying to get over him Rocket League and that ball around. Yeah. <laughs> What's she doing there? It's a rock. What's Captain Marvel doing? And okay, Charlie Theron. I think she's his. She's his sister or something. Momoa's really leaning into that Drexel. Yeah. No. Fuck it. Punch it. The wheels were <laughs> melting off the car. Looks pretty good, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to go to the movies and check it out, man. I watched seven of them. I haven't watched the last three, you know. It was pretty good. 
It looked pretty good, man. <laughs> All right, um, cannonball run. I mean, dude. When you look like, how the fuck do they get? Anyway, I don't even know. All those, all that star power. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of money. A lot of money. A lot Almost of my, a lot of mindless audience goers. Well, punch it, Trav. <laughs> hey, what am I? I'm just a fucking grown ass kid that watches Marvel films. What punch do I know? But. <laughs> Alright, we got a little animated. That's how we should end the podcast from now on. Punch Punch it, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, I'm ready for this mulligan. Alright, three, two, one, play. What about golf? Nope. Got a <laughs> Is this Mark Wahlberg? <laughs> the guy doing the voice in this is the guy, um, Oh, and that frog, you told me it was doing the frog in the Toad movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the main guy. That was Weird Al. It's like. Mars attacks meets idiocracy. Yeah. Here's Daniel Radcliffe does a voice. A lot of Netflix animation. It's really boring because it rehashes the same humor over and over. Daniel Radcliffe plays King Jeremy. Jeremy Spokehorn. Today. I'm I'm actually got the trailer. Yeah, I'm actually excited about this. Trav, you remember these books? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Three, two, one, play. I love the animation style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Why is it muffled? You know, here's my here's my thing. Considering what we just saw and how long these books, how long these books have been around, why haven't they made this sooner, man? I know, right? Like, like when we were kids. Yeah, it would have been excellent children's programming, dude. Yeah, for sure. It would. It feels like it should have been on PBS. Absolutely, man. Like, I'm all for some. Like, as you know, as someone who raised kids, dude, like. I'm all for like good shit like that. Like it's just straight up. Like it just teaches you morals, fucking friendship, all that. So it's all the good check marks of like, if you're going to let your child watch TV, like your small child, that's a, that's a banger for that. You know? Yeah. That's my niece likes to watch bluey. Oh, I've heard that's real big dude. It is fucking funny as shit. I don't like they're Australian. It's crazy, but it's for a kid's show, like a young kid's show. It's but yeah, but, it, but it's more, but it's more key dangling than like, Hey, I'm going to teach you something. These characters are going to go on an adventure and they're going to learn what insert fucking virtue, you know? Yeah. All right. What is this? Cause Morkin. The E-Man. Oh. Oh, Bollywood. I'm ready for it. All right. Three, two, one, play. He stops talking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cops. He's just he's mean got, mugging everything. Yeah, I think he's got that mean mug down. About a guy who mean mugs the whole fucking town. <laughs> Holy shit. It's walking tall. Oh. <laughs> I like how just, his voice has reverb outside. Yeah. He just beat all the ass, dude. I don't know if you guys saw, but a few hours ago. I haven't seen that. Haven't either. Juicy bit. Juicy bit, probably. Upgrading the quality. Ooh, 4K. All right, y'all ready? Oh, yeah. Three, two, one, play the Flash. Trailer two.
Bam. God, I'm so fucking ready for this shit, dude. Oh. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Batman. Oh, did is you notice the bat playing in the right? moon? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that, that dude. Ah, this shit it's looks a fucking, fucking Batman amazing. Movie. Dude, remember like several months ago where they're like, we're recutting the Flash and we're cutting all of the Michael Keaton Batman shit out of it? Yeah. How the fuck? Just based off of this trailer I that mean, was two minutes and 51 seconds long, how in the fuck were they going to release this fucking movie without having Michael Keaton as Batman? Well, there was He's more like, Batman than Flash in that trailer, right? Yeah. 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 God, I got chills several Hop, fucking yeah. times. Dude. I'm so fucking excited for this movie, dude. Definitely got to yeah. go to the theater. I know people are like, fuck Ezra Miller. And sure, you can jump on sure, that bandwagon. I'm right there with you. What do you still want to watch bullshit. it? <laughs> this movie gets my $10 anyway. Well, I'm in it for Keaton. Oh, dude. Yeah. But no, but no, I'm, I'm going to go out there and dude. even the flash sequences look fucking insane. Yeah, for sure. Andy Muschietti. Dude. I was just looking at that. It. Yeah. Mama. Ma- Mama I mean, Mia. Remember 10, 15 years ago, we watched that Mama short? Yeah. Like, and Wait, he's he come... created that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. I didn't know he came from the short. Yeah, he Whoa. made the short. Yeah, right? Started on the bottom, now he's on the top. I mean, yeah. yeah. Dude, if the reception for this Flash movie is good, 
especially with Keaton, they may continue I mean, to do Keaton he Batman. Still got it. Dude, he I got chills so many. You wanna get nuts? <laughs> yeah. Let's get nuts. God, I'm so excited, man. Mm. It looks fucking great. And the chick that's playing Supergirl. Yeah. Oh, dude. Like, fucking, like that's going to knock it out of the park, dude. What yeah. the fuck happened that's making them, like, because there's a part in that sequence. Batman drops to his knees. Supergirl goes, what did you do? Like, what, like, yeah. what did the Flash do? Because clearly Flash fucked up somewhere. Yeah. He probably killed Zod. Or well, or what if Zod kills kills Barry mm, and Supergirl one goes, of the berries? Yeah, yeah, and Supergirl just goes because we got two, hell. so one can die, right? Because the thing it's about her, the thing about her is we can get laser vision through the fucking skull. We can't get yeah. that with Superman. He's got morals. Yeah. This chick's been in a lab experiment yeah. for years. Like she's she an don't emo. Give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. she she's don't give as, a shit. Oh well. She's like she's as dark as Batman. Yeah. I dude, I love her her suit design. Yeah. It's nice. And I don't even I don't even know who this chick is. Like I gotta look it up because like her demeanor. So I know this oh. is weird. Hear me out. What if what if somehow Muschietti is able to script a movie where the whole thing, the sequence we get where Barry's went back in time, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I still think the secret villain of this movie is the fucking reverse Flash. And I yeah. think one of the berries is well, him. The one with the long hair where he went, no one can die. And yeah. it's like, he might be the one that's... Well, what if we're seeing another Flash's actual origin story? And the flash that we're getting from the Snyderverse is actually a misdirect. And what we're really seeing is the reverse flash going back in time. He's figured it out. He went back, saved Barry. He changed the timeline. But because Barry got to have his mom and everything, he didn't become the flash. So the reverse flash wins. So Barry's out of the equation. And then... Well, no, because they have, well, somehow they have to get the fucking, they have to, well, because they, because in the first, the Super Bowl trailer, you see where they're doing the experiment Mm -hmm. that pushes the lot and through one flash into the, like they're, they're, that, they, they are clearly trying to recreate the flash and give the second one his powers. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm not gonna try. I'm not trying to look at this through the the lens of a comic book accurate adaptation because it clearly can't be. So I'm just trying to think of what type of you know cool yeah. little pivot they've taken in the movie to make it different. Yeah. So she comes from the young and the restless. Yeah, two hundred and seventy three episodes. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Good. Well, for she's her, got that man. acting down. Yeah, that'll do it. Oh, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I know that fight between her and Zod's going to go probably a little harder than Superman and him, which I wish it wouldn't, but it probably will. Because she's, she, she's not going to be, she's not going to hold, she's going to actually know how to utilize her shit. Well, she's whereas, pissed. Whereas the, with the, the black 
zero incident, which is the Zod fight. We were he didn't want to kill him. Well, we were also dealing with an inexperienced Superman. Yeah. Like, he literally had just became Superman, like, the, the day prior, you know? Yeah. Man, that looks so good. It's coming out soon, too. Like that was, like, June two. 18th was or something. It was something. I thought it was coming out in I tried to keep May. my hop it for it down. I think it is May. I've been trying to keep my hop for this movie down and to a minimal because I want to go in with no expectations so I can still enjoy it to some degree. But this footage, man, like, well, they know like it, they know what's up by putting more Keaton in there. They know, yeah, give them what they want. Yeah, June sixteenth. Okay, I thought it was coming out in May for. We may no, that's did, we, Gallup, we, we may take an intermission in June June week. Just I'm gonna go to the theater and watch it. Yes, yeah. that's, I like that's I gonna to. be like, that's I, my I th- sleep that's gonna those. be my theater cash in for the year, dude. I'm I'm gonna pay and go see it. Like, I feel like I'm fucking up if I don't. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, I feel like as soon as that movie drops, the internet's gonna be a fucking like minefield. Like, oh, I can't go there. Why? Because they're gonna yeah. be talking about the Flash. Like, so I'm just gonna get it out of the way. Yeah. Hell yeah. I get it. Well, fucking next week, we're going back to the Stone Ages. 65. Are we? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Dinosaur movie. We're going back to the future, literally. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 Punch it. <laughs> Checks on the mail. <laughs> Wash your hands.